Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hey now, Joe Lynch here. I've uh, got a great guest. We have Peter Stefanovich from Left Lane Associates. I met Peter via LinkedIn six months ago, and then I saw an article that he was interviewed by the guys over at Freight Waves, who I love what they write there. And so I reached out to Peter and said, please be on my podcast. So welcome, Peter. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I'm glad Peter and I had one false alarm on the podcast. We recorded it last week, and there was technical difficulties on my end. And uh, so I had to start today with an apology to Peter. So here we go again, Pete. Thank you. No Uh, problem at all. (laughs) So I'm going to give a quick bio about Pete before we get started, get in the meat of it. But today, what we're going to talk about, we finally get to it, is buying and selling transportation logistics companies with Peter. And that's what Peter's firm does. They're a business broker and they specialize in buying and selling transportation logistics companies. So before we get there, little bio. Peter is born and raised in Toronto, Canada to immigrant parents. He's not married yet, but he has one sister and a two-year-old nephew. Peter's always been the entrepreneurial sort. He started a business called Saxcom when he was 16 years old. It was providing custom computers and networking, stuff that probably seemed really high-tech back in the day. And before he started college, he ended up selling that company, which probably funded some of that college. Peter started in the transportation world in 2008 in Chicago, working for an international retail construction company. Eventually, Peter started Left Lane Associates with his partner, Mike McCarran, in 2015. Want to add anything to that, Pete? Yeah, sure. I did. Before jumping into starting Left Lane Associates, I worked at a 3PL called Wheels Group. Uh, and it's owned by Radiant now out of Washington, D.C. Or sorry, sorry, Washington State. And so I was working in the 3PL world for several years before jumping into doing mergers and acquisitions for transportation companies. So tell me, Pete, how did a nice boy from Toronto end up <laughs> starting a transportation logistics brokerage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I again from coming from the background where I where I started is I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit and wanted to be able to to help other entrepreneurs in general, especially being from starting one at a company at an early age and, and growing in and then end up selling it. And when I was working in the United States working for an international construction company, I was helping do the logistics portion for all moving fixtures. So that's retail fixtures, meaning anything that any items go on or in for retail stores. So that's shelving, that's fridges, that's countertops, etc. So I started getting involved in that when I was in the United States. And when I moved back, I was hired for with a 3PL company. And uh, eventually I met my business partner, get into that a little bit and wanted to help other entrepreneurs find an exit strategy because it wasn't, it was a big void in, in that area and wanted to help other people in that area. So that's kind of how I melded into starting another company and building on what I learned when I was younger and just a heck of a lot more technology then. So when I was 16 compared to starting this when I was about 33. So it's uh, big changes in the entrepreneurial world in, in about 16 years or so. Yeah. I should also add to everyone listening, Peter's company, Left Lane Associates, does business on both sides of the border. So I don't want you thinking this is just a Canadian only thing. The nature of our transportation logistics industry is we cross borders every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why start a business brokerage as opposed to just a 3PL or a trucking company or you know, brokerage like 
so many other people have. For sure. Yeah, no, for me, it was, again, helping entrepreneurs out find a solution how to get out of the business that they were in, or also helping other businesses acquire other companies to be able to grow exponentially as well. So from my standpoint, when I was working in the 3PL world, there's a lot of times myself and my business partner, Mike McCarran, would get questions about who do we turn to when we're getting towards our time of retirement, or we want to change industries. And this, the answer often was, we don't know. And we took a problem there, realizing that there's no one really focused on transportation only in, especially the Canadian market, that has that focus and that's all we do. And we decided to fill that need and that void and helping other people that have been in the trucking industry and transportation industry like myself and, and our team has been in. Our team have 80 plus years of experience of working in transportation. So our team has been there. We've been in the warehouses. We work for 3PL. We work for freight brokers, freight forwarders, asset-based carriers. And now we're able to help other entrepreneurs and help other transportation companies find a better solution of an exit strategy instead of turning to a lawyer or an accountant that's never heard about lanes or ever heard about honeycombing or distribution channels or anything like that. So we're in the know and it's our job is to know everybody that's in the industry. So that's kind of where we framed it to make sure that we are helping accommodate everybody that's from our industry, right? It's, there's a lot of familiarity with working with somebody that's from the same industry that's gone through the same experiences as opposed to people that have never known anything about transportation until you meet them. So it's that's kind of what we wanted to fill that gap. Yeah. We come from similar philosophies because when I started the logistics of logistics, I wanted to help people grow their sales in transportation and logistics, recognizing that you know the industry got so big in scale and in sophistication. I thought, I don't need to work with everybody on earth. I just need to work with these couple hundred companies. And there's a lot of them. So continuing on, when somebody is interested in selling their transportation company, whether it's uh, you know a broker, a 3PL, or carrier, warehousing, why get a broker involved? Why not just go it alone? Oh, absolutely. There's a couple of reasons. Often owners, they have that entrepreneurial spirit and think they could handle everything all the time. And that's definitely true for a lot of cases. But in an instance like this, most owners of transportation companies or owners of any company have probably only started one company. And a lot of times it's people looking to retire and exit at retirement age. So they've never done this before. And this is their first and only time of selling their business. You know, they put their blood, sweat, and tears in this business their whole life, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And the one time that they have to be able to exit at the maximum value, the maximum sale price is this one point. So you want to entrust that with somebody that knows exactly what's going on and how to run the process and how to make sure you get the most out of it. Right. I mean, once it's done, there's no other options. You can't go back once you sell your company. So you want to make sure it's done properly and done by a professional. And on top of it, when you're somebody that's running a transportation company, we want you to focus on running that transportation company. And you never really want, I'll give you an example. You never really want somebody that's that's never really experienced the the sort of MA or selling a company to get involved in it without knowing the background behind it. I mean, it's very in-depth. There's a lot of financials. There's a lot of processes and a lot of details associated with that, that you don't want to skip over things and miss things, especially when it comes time to the most important business decision of your life. And that's where we fall into play and say, hey, look, we could help out manage that. You keep running your company, keep growing your company because the person that's looking at buying wants to see that growth. And if you're stagnant while you're you as an owner are trying to sell the company, 
it's not something that buyers look well upon. So they might give you a lower value. So for us, we want to make sure we take all that onus off the owners, let them keep growing their company and keep working hard at what they've been doing their whole lives. And we take care of all the stress and the hassles involved in selling a business and make sure it's done right and done right that one important time for you in your life when you need to sell. So that's really what we do. So Peter, continuing in that vein, why do business owners want to sell? I understand the retirement part, but what else, what other reasons might they have for wanting to get out? Sure, sure. No, there's, there could be a variety of different reasons. I mean, there could be a change of the economy that they decide to switch gears. It could be a downturn in the economy where you have to get out of the industry yourself. It could be also some things that you know we stipulate, and we'll get into this probably a little bit later, but sometimes people have to sell what we call the four dreaded Ds, and it's divorce, death, delinquent partner, and disease. So any one of those four things happen, it forces you as an owner to start to think, I want to monetize my business to help my family and myself because I won't be able to do work or won't be able to get the effective growth of the company I can because of those four things. So with those four things combined, there could be a greater economic issue or some people just get tired of the industry, want to try something different. Some people want to go and work in charities and retire in a different methodology or again, retirement's always a big one. Right, but there's uh, various different reasons for everybody. Some people, again, I've we've met with that were we've worked with that are want to get into the tech industry, and other people want to get into farming. And you know, whatever the reason is, we're there to help you facilitate that experience to get out and get a maximum sale price and value out of your company when it's time to exit. So, Peter, when I read Freight Waves, I don't know, probably a month or two ago, about their interview with you, you said something about this being a great time to sell. Explain why it's a great time to sell and maybe a great time for buyers to be buying. Absolutely. So, you know, some of the the major points that I put out there from the North American side, we've had a bull market for the past eight, nine years. We've had tremendous growth in the entire economy in general since the, the housing recession of the 2008 to 2010. So there's been extreme growth going on. So the economy's never been better. There's for the transportation industry since really... 2017, fall of 2017, about a year ago today, there's been extreme growth due to the capacity shortages of truck drivers, due to the extreme growth in the e-commerce industry. So the capacity is really tightened, which increases all the rates. So the rates keep going up because of the drivers, because of you know e-commerce, an economy's booming. So everyone's buying more goods and items. So you always want to sell a company when you don't really need to. Because you have the ability to say no and say, I don't want to sell if somebody gives you an unsolicited offer. So you want to be able to sell at the high point of everything. You never want to sell at a downturn. So right now is the high point of the economy in general, high point of the transportation industry. No one's People haven't seen rates like this in the industry really since you know ever, You know, maybe the late 80s. But other than that, there hasn't been rates and rate increases, especially over the short period of time like we're seeing now. So if you want to get maximum value out of a company, now is one of the best times, actually is the best time we've ever seen to get out and to be able to monetize that business. And it's it's not just about you. It's also about helping your family and generational wealth. It could be for you. It could be for your kids. It could be for your grandkids. So if you have built a company up, the time is now really to sell because there's never been a better time, the economy and everything else going on in, in our industry in general. Right. So why do buyers, why are buyers so hot to buy right now? 
Oh, absolutely. So buyers, same thing. Right now, money's really cheap to get a hold of from a banking standpoint, a finance standpoint, because of the driver shortages. Companies are looking to buy companies. Transportation companies are looking to buy other transportation companies to scale up their operations. They could be doing it because of adding more drivers because of driver shortage going on. It could also be strategic buys looking for purchases of companies to get access to new customers. So buyers right now are really scrambling to find a good group of sellers. And there's a tremendous amount of buyers looking to scale up and grow exponentially during this time. Right When you're having rates to borrow money at some of the lowest they've ever seen, great economy for them. So they're making higher margins and all the items that they're putting out there. So they're sitting on a lot of cash. They want to be able to use that. And if you can only grow about 10, 15, 20, maybe on the high side, 30% a year in organic growth, that's an option. But if you want to grow exponentially, you want to grow 100%, 60%, 70% plus, you look to buy a company. And that's what a lot of the big players are doing in the market right now. Yeah, Peter, if I could add something to that, this industry felt like it was ignored by Wall Street, by private equity, by venture capital. That's no more. The last decade or so, it seems like every VC, every private equity company, Wall Street guys are all of a sudden very, very interested in investing in this sector because of the growth of e-commerce. And and I think the perceived view that maybe we were a step behind when it came to technology. Absolutely. No, I mean, there's, it. you know, added that in. Again, we get calls over the last two days. I've probably had three calls from private equity from the U.S. talking about acquisition opportunities that they're interested in in the Canadian and the Northeast side of the United States. So it's just, you know, before we would never hear too much from the private equity or financial sponsor side, but now it's just everybody's hearing about transportation. It's kind of the sexy word nowadays, especially with e-commerce being in there and the final mile. So getting involved in that industry, everyone really wants to get involved. And when there's a lot of people looking to buy, if there's not a lot of sellers, which there are right now, there's not a lot of sellers, your price and your value go up. So again, referring back to the earlier comment, I said, now's the best time, especially when everybody's looking to get involved in this industry. So when somebody's getting... well. Take that back. I missed a question I wanted to ask you earlier. So you started Left Lane Associates with Mike McCarran. Talk a little bit about that partnership and its genesis. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mike and I met at Wheels Group. So Wheels Group is uh, a 3PL that's now owned by Radiant, and that's out of Washington State. And they're a third-party logistics company. And when I moved back from the States, I my office was right beside Mike McCarran's. And I'll give you a little history about Mike in a second. But Mike and I were next door to each other and we became friends and Mike became a mentor of mine in the industry. I'd been only in the industry for about five years at that time in the logistics industry. And he'd been in the industry for at that time about 30 years. So I I really kind of clung on to him and to learn about his experiences that he's been involved in his whole life about transportation. And that's kind of where we we started that the whole idea of Left Lane Associates of coming up with the idea of helping companies sell and helping other companies buy because there was that void. But now circling back to sort of Mike's history and see where it kind of comes full circle. So Mike actually started out of graduating university, college, he started with Yellow Freight. And he built his career up right out of university, growth through Yellow Freight to be the top person in Canada for Yellow Freight. And eventually that he outgrew his role and wanted to start something new himself. He had that entrepreneurial spirit, wanted to get involved. So he started MSM Transport. 
And MSN Transport ended up being an asset-based carrier that added in the hybrid 3PLs for freight brokerage side and warehousing as well. And he built up that company over the years and then sold it in 2012, the wintertime 2012, to Wheels. And him and his two other partners sold the company and Mike ended up working at Wheels as a, as a contractor afterwards. And that's how Mike and I met. So Mike went through the process of selling his company and actually went through the process of somebody approaching him before Wheels, asking about the purchase of his company, him and his partners realizing that it wasn't the best time to sell because they had a lot of work to clean up the company and make it a better shape than what it was. So he did that over several years, grew the company even bigger, increased the margins to a point when the next person that came by and asked him about purchasing his company, he was able to get a significant multiple and do very well for himself and his family. And so Mike's been through the process of being first approached, fixing up his company, being approached again, going through the whole sell process, being hired by the company that purchased him to help them sell to a US company. So Mike's been through the whole process as well. So it's something unique to us versus other people you know, myself and, and Mike have been involved in M&A personally ourselves. So we understand the intricacies, understand the ups and downs emotionally, physically of the process. And that's something that's very unique to other people. Other people haven't been through it. So we understand it from that standpoint. So Mike and I met at Wheels and that's kind of where we, we started Left Lane and kind of built it up from there. We'll get right back to the podcast in just a moment. If you sell transportation or logistics services, the Logistics of Logistics can help you sell more. Our customized program will help you understand your sales personality, including your strengths and blind spots, get more sales leads, and improve your communication and salesmanship. We can also position you as a recognized industry expert and help you reach your target audience. To learn more, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com. And now, back to the show. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the whole process that it took a few years for Mike to clean up his business, so to speak, and sell it for much more than he would have gotten originally. So tell me, what is it that cleaning up? What does that entail? Because I know that's an important part of your business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the major things we see are when companies come to us, they often come to us thinking they're ready to sell, but they're often not. And I'll give you the analogy of when you buy a house or you own a house and you've owned this house for 10 years and you know, tomorrow you decide you want to sell. You know what? You could either spend an extra six months or a year to add a new layer of paint, clean up the front yard, fix the basement, add new floor tile, and add exponential value to that for the time it comes to sell. Or you could sell the next day as you originally wanted to at a lower price. So we often tell people when they come to us and they think they're ready to sell, we kind of do a little analysis and realize, hey, look, you might want to spend an extra six months to a year cleaning X, Y, and Z up, and I'll get into that in a sec, to add value to your company because you want to sell at the maximum price that you can. And again, this is something that you've had for 10, 15, 20 years. This only happens once in your life. So you might as well take that extra one year or six months or 18 months to refine everything you've done so you get that maximum sale price for the time that happens when you want to exit. So we often coach people through that as, you know, 80% of what we do in our business is buying and selling transportation companies. And the remaining 20% is helping other companies that aren't ready to sell, get ready to sell. And some of the key things that we look at and help people get an understanding. Before we get into that, before we get into that, I'd like to ask, you know, that, that six months or a year that also gives you time to look around the market, right? 
So if you got if if, if you, it's going to take you six months or a year to sell to straighten things out in your operations, that's an extra six months or a year for you to look around for potential suitors, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I mean, the the whole idea is when you start, you know, getting your company ready to sell. It's it's often we get a lot of information from our clients to figure out who are their competitors, direct competitors, who are companies you work with, and a lot of those people might be one of the buyers, especially from a strategic fit. So. Just looking internally at the the potential prospects that you might have, as well as externally as well, helps. And especially when it comes time to sort of build that prospective buyer list when we're getting everything put together. So it definitely, it, you know, is, is a good part of getting your company in, in that sell ready position is helping look at that external view of you know competitors, etc. So what are those things that they need to clean up before they sell? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so some of the major things that they need to work on are resolving any legal issues, right? So that's looking at anything internally from a claims perspective. So if there's any claims that you guys have from, you know, from lost or stolen items from, you know, a trailer that was misplaced, et cetera, or it could be any, you know, any other issues related to employee issues, severance, et cetera. So you want to be able to clean up all your legal issues that you might have. And that might even be ownership structure. Make sure that your shareholders agreements are properly set up. So that way there's no issues of who owns what percentage when it comes down to the finish line of selling your company. You want to make sure everything on the legal side is cleaned up before you're ready to sell. So that's one thing. Secondary thing is making sure all your authorizations and your certifications are up to date, renewed, and in order. You never, especially from an asset side or non-asset side, anytime you're getting things ready, you don't want a buyer to come look at your internal documents to realize that you've allowed your authorizations to lapse. You don't want to give them reason to get out of a situation and have doubt about the good standing of your company. So you want to make sure that all your authorizations and certifications, cross-border, Canada domestic, U.S. domestic, or Mexico as well, are all in order before you get to that point. Another third piece is seeing about getting rid of any underutilized assets. So any assets you have in your yard from you know power units to trailers, if they're not being used... The best thing to do is get rid of that capital expenditure off your books and sell them or lease them out. So if you, you know, find somebody that needs to lease them out or if you want to sell them, that's another great thing to do to get that off your books. So make sure that you're using all your assets. The fourth piece is actually releasing or seeing about doing the assessment of your employees and seeing if all your employees are working at a level they should be. And if there's any employees that aren't there that are underperforming at a level that's consistent with the underperforming levels you guys put together as a metric, then it might be time to see about having them work elsewhere. And, you know, from a buyer's perspective, severance always ends up being a big issue. So if there's employees that have been around there for 10, 15 years that aren't pulling their weight around and are a detriment to your well-being, your company, it's better to, to see about having them transition out before you get ready to sell. And you want to make sure that there's a continuity because you don't want any of the employees leaving during any of the stage, unless you absolutely have to. So that's the fourth one. Fifth one is leaning out, which kind of goes hand in hand with this, is leaning out the organization. If you have a lot of people, people or assets not really, you know, utilizing all the the important aspects of the business, you might want to lean out some of that operations. You don't want to have equipment or people sitting around waiting for things. You'd rather have, you know, everything being utilized in a more efficient manner. And, you know, the next piece is seeing about maximizing what's called the EBITDA, right? So that is earnings before interest tax depreciated assets. So from a financial standpoint, you want to make sure that 
all your financials are well put together from either an accountant or a good bookkeeper, but preferably be both. And you know that EBITDA number is what is often used for the market multiple approach when selling companies. So people often hear, you know, I'm selling for a five times multiple, four times multiple. That's a multiple of EBITDA. So that EBITDA number is vastly important when you're selling a company. So you want to make sure all your financials, your income statements, your balance sheets, your P&Ls are all in good standing order. And again, by all means, go to an accountant and make sure that it's, it's properly done. And some of the other two final pieces is making sure, you know, from a business getting ready to sell, if you aren't already a specialist in a certain lane, a certain commodity, or a certain geography, become specialized. Get to be a niche player in the space that you're in. So instead of being telling everybody you ship everything anywhere in the country or anywhere in North America, be the guy that sends stuff from Chicago to LA that all you do is Chicago to LA runs back and forth and you might only do a certain commodity, but be known as the only player in that space that does that. So you, that's your differentiating factor against anybody else. So you want to specialize in a particular geography, lane, or commodity. So specialization is important. And the final piece is see about building the technology that you might not have. And that could be as simple as updating your website making it look better than what it already is. Again, when a buyer comes along and the name is eventually disclosed, the first thing they're going to do is Google your name. So if they Google your name and they go to your website, if it's not a nice website, if you will, that first perception is going to be something negative. So you want to make sure that's in order as well. And it's a very inexpensive thing to do, fix up. You know, On top of the website, it's making sure you have a good client relationship management software that you have to be able to have all your customers in there and make sure you track them, etc. Having good TMS system, that transportation management system in place, as well. Use social media as well, too. If you have a company and you're not using social media, it's important to have the use of social media and have somebody either designated or assigned to do some of the social media, or do you do it yourself? It's very simple to learn how to use. It's very inexpensive. I think most social media platforms are free unless you use a LinkedIn professional that me a couple hundred dollars a year. But other than that, most social media platforms are free and be able to get your message out of your specialization, what you do and your great aspects of your company, be able to broadcast that to the greater community. It might be to customers that see it, it might be to future customers, but it's a great way, a very inexpensive way of marketing and marketing yourself as well as the company. So definitely those are those are some those are the major key things of cleaning up your company and getting it ready and sell ready for the time when a buyer comes along and looks at purchasing you. Good points, Peter. So one of the things that you mentioned was this EBITDA. And I think it's worth noting that if you do have some underperforming assets, let's just say I bought a terminal that I'm I thought I was going to use and I pay a hundred thousand dollars a year for it, but I never actually got it up and running. Well, that's when I get rid of that expense, that means it goes to the bottom line. And if I'm selling for a multiple, it could be five times that $100,000. So that leaning out process, getting rid of an underperforming assets, maybe an underperforming employees, whatever it is that's draining your cash and, and hurting your bottom line, your EBITDA is money that you won't get at the end. Correct. Absolutely. You want to make sure you lean out exactly the points you made lean out. So any dollar that you you save could be a two or three or four, four or $5 later when you sell. So imagine that on a scale of $100,000 that you save by leading out your operations, 
$100,000 could be $500,000 more when you sell the company. That's a significant amount of money. So, and imagine that if it's more and more, if it's a million dollars, you're able to save, you know, at a four times multiple or five times multiple, that's $4 million or $5 million. So it's really important to lean out before, but lean out without jeopardizing your operations. So that's making sure everything's more efficient, not getting rid of people or assets just because. It's got to be done in a relatively controlled and smart manner. You want to cut fat, not muscle. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And so also you mentioned specialization. You know, I do a lot of sales training in this space and that's when I'm working with companies, I always say the same thing. You should try and specialize. And the reason I feel that specialization is so important now is this has gotten to be a very, very competitive space. And you've got the guys, as I mentioned, coming in from the big, big players who are getting more and more powerful. You got the the money guys coming in, the tech giants coming in. I feel like if you don't kind of grab your own niche, you're at risk of becoming a, a, an also run. So I think that specialization is a, a great idea. And one other thing, you mentioned the technology, getting the social media, the website and all that. That is so important these days because the way I perceive companies isn't usually through conversations. It's through their web. It's through LinkedIn. You know, if somebody says I have a, a $100 million operation and I can only find three employees on LinkedIn, I'm wondering. <laughs> exactly, right? It, perception is reality. So if you have a great website and great social media, you could punch above your weight. People might think you're, you know, a 200 employee operation, but you might only have 40 or 50. So when a company looks to buy you, they're like, wow, we're really impressed. These guys are really extending what their capacity is. And that's something we like. So we're going to pay more for that. So it's important really to push those boundaries in and get involved in the social media website stuff. Because again, that perception is reality. Yep. So Peter, if there's one thing, one thing you could tell a business owner about the process that is often missed, what would it be? Oh, absolutely. You know, the biggest thing that people come to us and the question we hear the most and that people should know about is the length of time this process takes, especially when selling. So people often think you could come to us one day and it's going to be sold in two, three days or a month or two months. And that's completely incorrect. The average M&A sell process from you deciding you're going to sell to hiring an M&A advisor, hopefully us, to getting the company ready to sell and getting that that purchase and sell agreement in hand, it's often the average length of time is 18 months. So you have to be prepared that it's going to take longer than you anticipate. It's not going to take six months or eight months. It's going to take up to 18 months and sometimes even longer than it could be 24 months. So the length of time this whole process takes is a lot longer than you anticipate. So it's going to be tough and it's going to be a little bit of a slog for those for that time. But it's the reality of the situation with multiple buyers, with finding the correct buyers, finding the great fit, negotiating contracts, employment agreements, getting out the marketing material, getting out all the all the other materials needed during the due diligence process. That stuff takes a lot of time. And again, it's not just your schedule. It's also the schedule of the buyer. So you're dealing with multiple schedules and making sure that they all coalesce together. So the length of time that it takes to sell a company is often extremely underestimated. So always remember, if you're thinking about selling today, getting that start point is going to take you probably 18 months or longer. So just always assume that length of time. I have to think that that's a very stressful 18 to 24 months Lots of highs, lots of lows. I mean, as you talked about, leaning out, getting legal issues straightened out, 
maybe shoring up the partnership papers. That has got to be a crazy 18 to 24 months. I bet you guys are more counselors than business people some weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? We meld between being, you know, financial analysts to being financial advisors, to being M&A advisors, to being trucking advisors, to then being into psychologists. It just, we are our role. We wear many hats in what we do and we work at it extensively and all the time. And it's making sure that you have the right partner whether it's us or somebody else, to help you along that process. Again, because this happens once in your lifetime, you want to make sure that's done properly. So Peter, we talked a lot about buyers, getting them in a position to sell and get them maximize their their take home when they sell. What about companies that are buying companies, not selling companies? Why do they come to you? So buyers come to us because they're A, they might be too busy in growing their company that they want somebody to specialize in it. And also another major thing is often instead of having somebody in-house, so somebody that works for them, it ends up being problematic. So let's say somebody from XPO calls you and you're a direct competitor of XPO and they say, hey, look, we're interested in, in buying you. You as the seller are very reluctant to give any information to a direct competitor. So there ends up being a kind of a a wall that's set up right away. So what we often are, are the buffers between the buyer and seller. And we are. And this way, it allows us to have honest, open conversations with a potential seller, us representing the buyer, without giving any information to the buyer until the seller fully agrees on providing that information. So that we end up being the, the safety net, if you will, and that buffer between the buyer and seller. And buyers come to us because they they fear that going to somebody directly, it might turn them off and they might never get that opportunity again. So people come to us to help facilitate that. And that's what we do for the buyers. And on top of it, again, if they're focused on growing their company and they don't know all the different players in the market, our job is to know that. So we might have a competitive edge against their own staff because we're so involved in the entire industry instead of just being involved in one lane or one commodity or one geography region. We have that purview of an entire market space. So we're able to see things that they may not ever see or may not ever know. So we're, we've built that up and build, build relationships. We're, the industry we're in is very relationship-based and it's helping build trust amongst people that we talk to and companies we talk to. And trust is earned, not given. And a lot of this stuff takes a lot of time. So if buyers want us to get in there and build relationships up with potential sellers that might come to fruition, maybe not next two months or three months. It could be next year or the year after. So it's, it's helping build those relationships up and being a buffer between the buyer and seller. When you say buffer, does that mean you're putting legal protections in place? You know, that it, it all depends on, on sort of what role we have. I mean, a lot of times the buyers have their own in-house counsel, their own lawyers and their own financial teams. So they don't need us to do that type of work. But from a sheer, at the very minimum, optics level for us, we have our own legal documentation that we get sellers to sign. But then also we have our own agreements with the buyers as well. So we're protecting everybody involved. So as a buffer for us, we're just making sure that there's no information given to us from the seller that goes to the buyer without the seller's approval. So whereas they might be put against the wall, might be fearful of giving information because of competitive advantages, you know, we ensure that that information is only shared when they're ready. And it's, it's making sure there's a comfort level again with everybody involved. Yeah, got it. So Peter, I know you work with a lot of sellers and you work with a lot of buyers right now. Are there more buyers or more sellers? 
you know, there's a lot more buyers right now. Again, referring back to why now is a great time to sell. There's a ton of buyers and all qualified buyers of large companies, medium-sized companies, small companies looking to expand their fleet size, expand their driver pool, expand their commodity base, expand their clients. And so there's a lot of buyers out there and there are some good sellers out there, but there's not a lot. The ratio is at least three to one, four to one for buyers compared to sellers. So again, now's a great time to sell if you're a seller and a buyer. It's it's tough out there. That's why it's you know, it's good to find a good party that can help you find the best fit for your company as well. Excellent. So Peter, this was excellent. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise with me and my audience. If someone wants to know more about you and your company, Left Lane Associates, how do they reach out? Sure, absolutely. I mean, they could anybody could reach out to me directly and I'll give you my phone number is 647-620-4745. You could call our office line at 1844-311-7335. Or you could come on our website at leftlaneassociates.ca. That's leftlaneassociates.ca. And any one of us will get in touch with you. We've got a team of 10 of us here and we're all willing to help. So by all means, anybody is interested in selling or buying in Canada, US, we're here to help. Excellent. Peter, I'll make sure I put that your contact information in the body of my podcast notes. So Peter, thank you. This was wonderful. I appreciate you re-recording this podcast with me, and I hope we can do it again. No problem. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.